0: Thanks for joining us on the Troncast with Tron Jordheim. And today uh, I've got a special guest, uh, Dean Myers from Visworld. And Dean has some great ideas about visual thinking and creative thinking. And I'm excited to, to visit with him today because, uh, I'm in the fan club. I think, you know, if we're not thinking about design and visuals, then what are we thinking about? Di- di- Dean, t- di- how did you how did you get to this place? Because uh, if you look at the visworld.com website, it is rich with all sorts of wonderful things about using your visual brain. So, so tell us about that.
1: Oh, well, absolutely. And, and I, I must say I really appreciate your asking me to – speak with you about visual thinking on a medium where the visualization is all going to happen in the listener's mind. Right. So, so that is, to me, is of course, that's where the start of all of our creativity and our visual thinking is. It's not, um, it's not the artistic putting, your pen in, putting the pen or the pencil or the crayon in the hand and starting to draw. That's, that's not what I'm about. And that's not, what, um, that's not what I'm trying to get people over, you know, to become artists. This world came out of a genesis of my working, um, uh, I, I say it goes all the way back to working in technology uh, a long time ago with Apple, when Apple first put together um, the first graphical user interface, the GUI, right? Yep, uh, yep. The first time that you would look at the screen and everything was done visually. All of your navigation, uh, your decision-making, all of that was handled visually. And you use this weird tool called the mouse, um, and I say it that way because it sounds it sounds both archaic and strange. Yes, As much as it did back in 1983, it was our, it was strange, um, right? And so um, this this world of working heavily in technology and yet always coming back to um, the native our native non technological thinking, which is which is basically visual. Um, has been the impetus throughout my entire working career since since that point. Yeah, um,
0: well that's fascinating. So uh, how how do you help people get into their uh, mind's eye or or So how, how do you get people to to Pay attention to the screen we carry around in our heads and, and think visually.
1: Well, I, I used to say I have gimmicks, but I, I try to not refer to that as gimmicks at all. But um, I, let's just talk about different ways of working with people to, to help that happen. On the one hand, um, I do a lot of work as a, um, we'll call it a facilitator or a visual facilitator or a visual practitioner. Um, and th- that's a very, uh, uh, a not very well-known term uh, for somebody who will, who will use uh, visual aids or tools or instruments in order to uh, help people with decision-making and, and thinking. So, uh, so that's a very active role. Rather than, you know, there was a period of time I worked in an advertising, in the advertising and marketing world, uh, uh-huh. managing graphics departments in an ad agency, that kind of thing. But I moved more deeply into, into this very active way of getting people to work visually uh, when I would be facilitating meetings, marketing meetings, strategic planning meetings, and I would get tired of hearing people talk and talk, and I'd have to go to the front of the room. I was driven to go to the front of the room and pick up the marker and start to diagram you know, very simply, just diagramming. Uh, sure. Does it, does it connect to here? Does it go there? Does it happen this time or that time? Are we talking about this thing or that thing? Is it bigger than this or smaller than that? You know, and I would just draw very roughly. Um, yeah. and, and, and that, you know, provokes so much clarity, right, in, in conversation and in dialogue. Um, and then I discovered that there were actual very formal methods of doing this 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 kind of uh, facilitation, uh, which is that specific role in a meeting, you know, rather than being the meeting leader. Right, so, right. Uh, so that was that was the that was the start of my becoming a full time visual practitioner um, as a facilitator, and even uh, something uh, I do something called graphic recording. And that's where I'll be listening to conversation and very quickly drawing and sketching notes. Um, they may look a little better than doodles. They may look like good cartoons on a good day if I'm really mm-hmm. invested in it. And so there I, I have a very passive role uh, in that I'm not driving the conversation, but in capturing what I'm hearing and attempting to synthesize it into, you know, a collection of icons and, and cartoons and words, um, again, this is the same thing. It's, it's a way of stimulating people's uh, visual processing f- capabilities uh, to be able to synthesize and make decisions. So I'm sorry, I, you were about to say something. I heard you take it.
0: Yeah, I think that's fascinating. And, and you're bringing to mind something I just uh, looked at recently in the New York Times where they did a, a whole series on how the New York subway map came to be the current one that came to be and it was all about this visual design thinking and one of the artists involved in the design of that actually rode every subway line from start to finish and had his eyes closed and basically moved a, a pencil on a paper as the the train was taking corners and moving in different uh, in different ways so that he could get the feeling of the movement of the train somehow onto the map. And I thought, wow, that's, that's brilliant. And you know, there you go. Those multiple layers of, of uh, visual fluency or whatever you call it, that end up on this little map that actually is pretty easy to read.
1: Isn't it? It's right. It's a very exciting thing when you open up the New York subway map and and a lot of that inspiration comes out of the old London subway map. Uh, again, the goal with that is very much the same thing. How do you take this three-dimensional represent, how do you create a three-dimensional representation um, you know, in, the, in a flat space? Um, th- th- we could do a lot of deep talk about that. But there's something I wanna, I wanna bring out that, that you also mentioned, because it's also something that I, that I do in, in my work with people. Um, is I also uh, use uh, Lego, uh, you know, the, the bricks that are mostly thought of for kids' play. And yeah. yet, and yet there are, there's massive amount of studies and work done on uh, using Lego in, in teaching many kinds of things. And I'm a certified uh, uh, facilitator in, in, in an activity called Lego Serious Play, which was, which was developed over time uh, and it's actually a patented methodology that uses the Lego bricks. And in that, you're using, once again, you're using that visualization part of your brain, and now you're engaging so that your, your hands are doing the thinking. <laughs> right. You know, and, you're, and you're listening with your eyes. That's another expression. That's yes. Lego series play is that you're, you're seeing these 3D embodied metaphors of what people have in their minds and you're interpreting uh on one hand you're making them but the person who's receiving you know the the item the, the model uh now they're creating new things in their minds or they're interpreting to to once again acquire knowledge and make decisions based on how they perceive this this model so
0: right that makes all the sense in the world i mean one of the things about uh, you know, attaching the visual to thinking in, in my mind, you know, when you take, um, th- there's some things I want to just write with pencil. If I'm doing some planning or thinking or sorting ideas, I just want it to be with a pencil because there's something about the friction of a pencil and the movement mm-hmm. of your shoulder that just connects everything. And then there's some things I want to do with crayon. I'll get a big piece of paper and just sort scribble away with a crayon because there's something about the way the crayon moves. Maybe that's a way for people to start because I think sometimes people are just awkward about using the visual thinking.
1: I think people are very awkward about it uh, for a very specific reason. Um, if you, here's the example that I always explain to people, um, and I'm saying people now as adults, um, and even worse, adults sitting in a business setting at a desk, and I've asked them to doodle, right? So we're just going to doodle. We're not. We're not even drawing. And um, the point of resistance I get is. Over and over again, when I draw, I draw like a kid, right? Even my doodles—they all look like a kid. And here's my answer. You want to say, great—that's the point. So here's what I tell them, and I and I, 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 I sidestep that a little a little ways because um, my my other the, the the interesting thing that I have found out through you know through doing my homework is that we most adults draw like that, because that's when you stopped practicing drawing. In third grade, in in typical Western education, uh, you know, in the US, UK, uh, Western Europe, um, I can't say about Asia, but in any case, you are up to the third grade, you presented book reports with pictures and drawings and all that kind of stuff, and then third grade, you started to learn how to bullet lists and do outlines. And someone told you to stop being silly. That's right. Right. That, that, that's no longer a legitimate book report. It's really funny. You know, within six months, all of a sudden, all your creativity is, is canceled out into one linear way of, of uh, redacting information. Yeah. So, and, but it happens, it's, as I say, you draw like a 10-year-old because that's when you stopped practicing. It's as simple as that. Right. But that's a, but that's a, a wonderful observation, though. Yeah. Yeah. And so... And so Again, and the reason I don't go into, well, we're here to play, and it's like, again, you know, I'm sitting with a bunch of businessmen, uh, bankers, uh, people dealing with finance, uh, government, I work with the military. For me to bring that word out, the word play, you know, it raises hackles. It's like, we're <laughs> not here to play. And I'm like, well, I'll, we'll talk about theories of play later, but okay, we're not even gonna talk about play. <laughs> There's a book that uh, I'm one of 52 authors in that just has been released called The World of Visual Facilitation. And um, I did a chapter specifically on uh, facilitating through uh, play and games. Um, and, and there's, again, another one of these studies about, about playfulness. Uh, and it's been applied into education, and yet, and yet we are afraid to apply it into quote-unquote business, which is serious. And yet all of invention really comes out of play. Um, Right. It's, it's, it's a necessary, it's a necessary factor and they've even discovered that it's necessary in learning. And um, I, I think it's absolutely vital that we, we not codify play as being separated from the seriousness of work. We can, We can, and that's why I like the idea of it being called Lego serious play. There are other activities that are, that have taken on this serious play idea. Um, But scenario planning, for instance, which is done strategically for the military is a form of play. Um, uh, uh, All all those kinds of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Well, play is applied in so many areas and activities, but we, we don't look at it that way, we don't, we don't acknowledge its, um, its necessity, uh, and we don't acknowledge just like this visual thinking thing, you know, we turn it to quote unquote art as opposed to it really is an important factor. And I'm thinking when you, when you take in the fact that all of the GPUs, all of the technology that is powering all of this artificial intelligence wave, all of that stuff, those. Devices were designed originally to improve the ability to make better graphics, meaning art. Right. Um, and and then they discovered, well, if the brain does pattern recognition visually, and we try to apply that, boom! This was the this was the boom in artificial intelligence. Right. Right. Visually.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. Well, so what? And one of the other places where I see visualization just being so important is. With data visualization and you you deal with that some on your Vizworld website where uh, you know in the past when I tried to present findings or data to people I could I could see in my mind's eye what it meant, and there was a time where I just couldn't understand why people wouldn't get well what I was talking about, and then of course you know it became obvious well you know I can see it they can't see it they see you know some numbers and stuff so and then the question is, well, how do you create those visualizations? And, uh, and I think that is a fascinating practice.
1: It, it is, and, and I, I have been saying for years that the, the, the more bandwidth we get, right, and the better quality of the visual that we get through technology, the better communication we're going to have and the better understanding of things. And now from the other side of that, um, the ability for software to be so smart, to be able to uh, to help us pass that horrible learning looks, curve, yeah. And this is this is what you're talking about: is how do I create these visualizations? Well, there are so many packages that are everything from open source to um, you know to free to freemium to so on and so forth that will allow a a non highly technical person to jump been um, to that space and start to apply it. Um, there's a brand new book out by, uh, by Nancy Duarte who, uh, who, who is you know, the, the maven of everything about uh, presentation skills. And she's now talking about how to do data, how to present data. But she's the book is interesting because she speaks at a non-data scientist level. She talks to the ordinary, you know, you and me, <laughs> who are working with other you and me's, who are not data scientists. And um, it's there. Uh, we're, we're at the place where we can apply this stuff. And the irony is that our visual brains will accept it so readily. Uh, we, we can make the leap to understand it if it's presented really clearly. Right and and
0: deep down inside we know we're visual people our language deals with that you know when someone tries to explain something to it we say oh i see what you're talking about right yeah yeah so it's fascinating stuff so so dean how do people find out more about what you're up to should we send them to vizworld vizworld.com or where would you like them to go that is a that
1: is a great place to start um... Um, I'm going to be expanding more things. As I say, I've been involved with this book that just came out, The World of Visual Facilitation. Um, I'm going to start to be doing more classes and programs uh, aimed at sort of specific areas uh, in business life. Um, I'm concerned with the, the future of the workforce. <laughs> you know, how to educate people to work uh, on the job. And, um, but VizWorld is is the anchor. Um, it's It's the oldest, entity that I have going um, and so you will find things that go back 10 or more years on everything from, from infographics to virtual reality to uh, even uh, blockchain and things like that, that that I see as being involved with a visual thinking world or you know it's a busy world in my mind. It's a, it's a busy
0: world yes that's fantastic that's that's wonderful. So tell, tell us again the name of the book you're working on and when can we get it?
1: Uh, the book has uh, just been released. It was done through a Kickstarter. So if you go on Kickstarter, you can find it. It's The World of Visual Facilitation. Uh, as I say, there are 52 authors uh, in it, and it's it weighs, I think, about five pounds and 700-plus pages. Um, wow. But look for it on Kickstarter. Um, there are... Uh, my ID and the link to me you can find on LinkedIn certainly and um through Vizworld as well. I kind of like getting you to Vizworld. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, uh as VizWorld, uh at you know the at sign visworld. Uh and I churn out a lot of content all day long through um through Twitter too. Wonderful,
0: wonderful. So what what's one or two things that People should take away from this to, to help them become more visual in their approach to things.
1: Um, I like the idea that you talked about <laughs> that um, you, know find a, find a quiet moment, and um, you can just close your eyes, or you can grab a pencil or a crayon or a pen or something, and um, make contact uh, make contact and let your hand move across the paper. Um, and then just let your mind meander and see, see what comes out. So that's doodling. And that's okay. It's a good thing to do. It's a good practice. Um, and the other thing is to um, close your eyes every now and then and try to look at the pictures in your head. Uh, really see how much you are actually processing uh, visually, that you're making uh, uh, visual metaphors in your mind in order to understand better. And then once you start to see that you're doing it unconsciously, you can start to consciously do it without even having to become an artist. You don't have to draw a thing. That's wonderful.
0: Dean, thanks so much for spending time with me today. It's been really uh, fascinating talking more about visual thinking and uh, let's hope we all put some crayon to paper or grab some Legos and start visualizing whatever the next thing's gonna be for us. It's a lot of exciting stuff happening. Thanks again for being there.